You know those crazy Christmas in July special sales? You see the commercials. Uh, you go, what the what? Uh, or even posters. Well, how about spring in August? Exciting and uncertain and fascinating and fraught. Here's a razor tutorial to start you off. This should be the least bearded playoff of the last 40 years. And there are two reasons for that. One, masks. I, I doubt they can seal as well uh, with their little custom masks when they're all hairy around the mouth. And the simple hirsutial fact that men's beards grow faster in the spring than at any other time of year. And that, my friends, is fact. Some of you might think, hey, beards probably grow in wintertime when, when men need that for warmth. Not the case. Springtime, when uh, their, their fancy turns to the, uh, to the fairer sex. Apparently, uh, beards are, in, are the thing and have been since the beginning of time. So, uh, that said, from his lair in the Metroplex, I welcome in senior writer for DallasStars.com, Mike Heike. Is there still a junior writer, or has there ever been a junior writer, Mike? <laughs> there really never has been. It's, it's no, a but stupid it, title. It's a good title. Well, and, I do have uh, to say, most of the titles in, you know, in any corporation are kind of foolish, but you know, that's how it goes. Yeah, well, it's become commonplace, right? We're not going to give you more money, but we'll give you a different title (laughs) or a better title. Uh, Anyway, orchestrating all of this from inside the NHL's bubble in the hub of Edmondson is uh, digital maestro Jeff Totes. Senior director of podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) And that, too. Yeah, there is. Speaking of titles. Uh, So let's start with you, Totesy. You're up there. Uh, maybe you can give us a verbal tour of the Edmund Chuck uh, hubbub. That's a Razor trademark, by the way, the hubbub. Uh, your initial impressions? It's it's really, really interesting so far. My initial takeaway from the first three days is it's, it was unexpected how on top of each other every team is. And I guess it should have been expected given, given the size of facilities and how – compressed it is, but it's truly like three straight meal rooms all sharing a wall that are connected that go us, Vegas, Colorado, other side of the hallways, then the Oilers, Predators, and you're just seeing every other team staff member and player, lobby, elevator. So there's that much, there's that much contact? It, yeah, it's, it's very on top wow. of each other. It feels like a hockey summer camp where the first week they divide everyone into teams, but you're all yeah. sharing facilities. Um, and then the practice rink is about a half hour outside of town and that's four sheets of ice, but it's all kind of a shared centralized divided locker room and coach's office. So it's, it's really right now. It's very, it's not uncomfortable. It's just surprising how much integration throughout these facilities there is for everyone. Hmm. Is it, uh, gerbil maze like as as one might think as far as getting around. Yeah, actually that was that's another interesting part going between. So our hotel is pretty much connected to the arena, but then there's two other hotels that are probably four blocks away. 
And to get to them, you're going through like a chain link, a high chain link fence, essentially tunnel straight through the middle of the city. And it feels very <laughs> prison like when, yeah. you have to cross the, when you have to cross the street, there's guards that open gates that block traffic and you walk through the middle and it, it's just very interesting. You're right in the middle of downtown Edmonton doing this, but uh, it, it's a really cool setup. It's not bad at all. Yeah. I don't know if you heard about the uh, Tim Hortons truck out in the rec yard, but that's no. a nice touch. There's a Tim Hortons food truck with uh, free coffee, free donuts. Well, of course there is. It's Canada. <laughs> Amazing. So that's the best. That's the best of the food up there. Is the is Timmy <laughs> still figuring out the food situation? Uh, Timmy's has been great though. There are some food trucks, a couple different restaurant options, um, and then there's fortunately like a Grubhub, Uber Eats drop-off zone. So can you order anything? Can you play. just order food to your room? Yeah, yeah, and there's standard room service too. Okay. All right. So, you, so we're well fed. Do you pay so for that or is it all free? No, but pay, you, you got to pay for that. Only free uh-huh. thing I've found so far is Tim's. So I'll be there. So a lot. You're, you're hitting that hard then, aren't you? <laughs> Three meals a day. Uh-huh. Mike, Kelly, do you have questions? Kelly Forbes was on the ticket yesterday uh, talking to his lovely wife, Julie Dobbs. And uh, he was talking about the Tim's truck and he said it was just so funny. Because it is free, but then if it's free, then everybody's there, and they're all standing in line. And he goes, and you're just looking at this line of the greatest NHL players in the league just waiting for free Tim Hortons. <laughs> that is the one thing. The line is always about 10 to 12 deep. And yesterday before lunch, they were running out of pastry options. So that's the one drawback of free Tim's, limited menu. Well, yeah, we're, we're all fighting our own uh, – <laughs> Battles, I guess. So tough time. Um, but I mean, is it going to get old quickly or or not? Like, I mean, it's like when you you know we're home for two weeks during a season and then we go out on the road. Everyone's excited. Hey, let's go for dinner tonight. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sure. And then after day five or six, it's like my God, let's get off the road and get back home again. Um, think- so is, is that sort of effervescence of newness and man, do you believe what we're doing here? Uh, is It's probably washing over everyone, but is that going to fade? Do you think? I think so. It hasn't yet, but I think what's going to help is once we get, I think by the time that starts fading, we're going to be hitting NHL be playoffs. So deep into the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. And once you start getting meaningful series, it doesn't matter where yeah. you're at or how routine the stuff outside of the rink is. I think no, that's you- going to be, you say that now. We'll, we'll check back in with you in three weeks, hopefully, or a month and a half. I, I am interested. I am interested in the mental aspect of how, how intense the playoffs are, and you're battling these players for six or seven games on the ice, but then to be seeing them just all the time away from the line, To be in line at the Jimmy's truck. Yeah, to be getting, <laughs> next morning. getting an omelet, it, post-game meals, yeah. everything. Like, I'm, I'm just interested in that mental aspect of we are all in the same area all the time. It's interesting. But it, well, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it reminds, it reminds me from a distance of when I went to tournaments as a kid. And, you know, you're younger and you don't really have any enemies when you're nine and uh, but you you'd have all these teams in a place like Fort St. John at one rink and it, you you know if you if you won you play in the morning if you 
uh, you have your little round robin, and then once you got into uh, Sunday, you won at, at 8, you played again at 11. If you won at 11, then you played again at 2, and you worked your way through the day like that. And in between, you know, you just left your gear on, and guys would be over at the concession and grab a hot dog and, and a and a uh, Coke or orange pop, and, and then away you went again. Just get some sugar in you. <laughs> Um, so it, it reminds me a little of that in the beginning from what it sounds like where everyone's just kind of there. And, uh, as this thing moves along, the numbers will dwindle and right. it, it'll either get, it'll either get better or it'll get freakier and more dystopian, <laughs> uh, as, as the herd gets thinned a little bit. It's true. I mean, just like, I mean, further along that hockey camp aspect now when there's games and you don't have a game. Each team has a player tweet and a coach's tweet that they can just walk right over to Rogers and watch. So uh, right. guys are plan- guys are planning on being there for scouting purposes and depending on the very, very interesting. I wonder if they'll put a stop to that at some point too, though. Not allow guys in. I also wonder about germ warfare inside the bubble or the hubbub. How real of a threat do you conspiracy theorists feel this is? try to spread the COVID in there somehow to another team in a vial that gets sent or smuggled. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Hey, Scotty Bowman painted a dressing room the night before. That was uh, back in the day. <laughs> I'm just saying, what about Michael Jordan? He got poisoned trying to eat pizza. That's true. That, that's true. Got to watch how, out. How crazy am I? Well, that's good. That's a good little peek into the into the hubbub there, uh, Totsi. Uh, I'd like to switch now to our our stars outsider, Mike Heika. <laughs> the uh, the no impartial media allowed hissy fit from writers. Uh, you're going to rep the writers. Uh, you're you're not part of it anymore. Is that true? That is true. What is it? The NHWA? Is that right? Professional Hockey Writers Association. THWA. WWE? Okay, is this a big deal or just another way the times are changing? I think it's the latter. There's a lot that goes into all of this stuff. One, writers are basically trained to believe that everybody wants to hear their opinion. So, you know, you, you grow up that way, you, you, you have a conduit to send your opinion about hockey to the masses and you feel like you're pretty smart and know what's going on and that your opinion is more important than anybody else's. Two, Twitter allows you to spread that opinion very quickly to a lot of people. Is it so, ever? I know. And so then I think then the tone becomes they're all whiny. Um, I think what is happening here is that they can't do their job as well as they would like to, and so they need to tell someone about it. But the problem is is that broadcasters can't do their job as well as they'd like to. A lot of people can't. And I don't think they see that. Uh, and so then they think, it's, oh, it's, it's uh, us. Oh, we're the ones who are getting cheated here. And, you know, I don't see anybody from NHL.com or from or anybody else who's getting just spectacular access to this. So, you know, they're they're right there on an even playing field, and I think they're just upset that they can't do their job as well as they want to, but nobody can. 
is is there any risk to the league that missed sports writers will now look for every negative morsel because of this? Um, it depends on the sports writer. I don't think they do. I never did when I worked for the morning news. I was, yeah, but you're the sunniest person on planet Earth. I know. I really am. That's true. Um, you know, different people, you know, we've seen this in the playoffs before. If a, a Toronto writer couldn't get an interview with the guy he won in the Stanley Cup finals, he threw a hissy fit. Uh, yeah. So there's, there's different people who have different personalities who are going to look at it that way. Bottom line, we're not going to do as good as we normally would. Um, you know, you just can't. Like, and the same with you. You, you when you get to sit there and chat. Speak for yourself, Mike. <laughs> when you get to chat with somebody in the morning, it gives you material. It helps you tell the fans a little bit more about the game yeah. and about what's going on. Yeah. And so we, all of us, will not do as good as we have. I don't. My, here, here's the thing, though. I, I hockey players are still great athletes to deal with but it it's changed too like they are very well versed in not telling you much and the idea that the sports writer is going to be able to saddle up next to or sidle up next to uh whoever in the in the room and get stuff i don't i don't know that that happens anywhere near as much as it used to because Again, they have their own avenues to put it out, and every individual team just seems deathly afraid of of controlling their own narrative within their own group. And now you have the NHL as a league trying to control their narrative with the bigger group with this uh, endeavor. So, yeah, I've always been uh, one of those people that believes that that a lot of sports writers. Get, got or became or are lazy in that they want somebody else to write their article for them. Uh, and then they don't pay attention during the game or watch games and be able to formulate their own uh, ideas of what they're seeing and, and that. Um, am I dead wrong? Um, it depends on the writer, I think. Um, I, personally, and this is, I don't know why this is, but I I want to write the story. To me, that's my creative outlet. I want to try and make it as different or better than anybody else and use fancy words. And, you know, I'm a lot like you in that, you know, I, I believe in infotainment. I want to be different. I think what we've seen, you know, from me and you when the team is bad, uh, that it makes us even more creative because we want people to read our stuff. Uh, so in that sense, there's a lot of people like me who I don't think are, quote, unquote, lazy and who want to do this. Um, but all that said, I think you're right in that if indeed the league or the teams are trying to control the message, then that's going to, you know, that's going to alienate the outside media. And it's a good question of whether we're heading, we've already headed that way in the last decade. Are we going to be even worse, you know, because of events like this? Uh, so then, yeah, how do you, how do you stop that? How do you engage the players with the media again. And then the other question I think, you know, now working on the inside is if you are indeed the NHL or a team, why wouldn't you want to control the message? Why yeah. wouldn't you want to drive people to your website as opposed to the other one? And yeah, so I, I mean, think we have, we have to guard against that because I, Mark Cuban has always said this and, and I believe him that he believes the external media is very important to the product because the fans trust the external media. 
and they want the message to not be filtered. And so Cuban threw this out in one of his blogs a few years back that, you know, would it be worth him to, you know, just throw money at newspapers, you know, 100,000 here, 100,000 there, to make sure that they have a, a person who is not controlled by Mark Cuban? Because uh, he says he goes, he'd be tempted to, if he read a story he didn't like, he'd be tempted to go to the writer if he was paying him and say, look, you got to change that. And he said it's good that he doesn't control the morning news or the athletic. Yeah, but they do that. They do that now with with people that they don't control. Yeah, because it's so deeply PR uh, and lawyered and sales uh, because it is so competitive for for dollars uh, that they, you know, it'd be like if you owned a car business, right? Like you, you don't want some people to talk about how crappy your car is and and uh, that it, it's got safety concerns and it doesn't go very fast and all these things. Th- those might be out there, but you got to search for them. For the most part, uh, they they want to pump out, uh, you know, the, the glorious and, and the beautiful. Uh, and I think that's every business. Yeah. So, and I just don't feel like there's as much, there's as much appetite for being able to absorb a negative. Um, I always feel like it, as long as it's fair, uh, it's fine. You know, you, you, you got to have some, some tug and some ebbs and flows, but I mean, there, there's, there's, there's not going to be a lot of negative, even just watching the broadcast yesterday, man, it, it was, there, there were some pom-poms out, uh, <laughs> you know, just about everything that had gone on in that, which, which is good. I mean, you want that, but at the same time, you don't want it thick, uh, rose-colored all the time, do you? No, and it's funny. I mean, you know, you and I have been in this for 25 years. Uh, you know, 20 years ago, even 15 years ago, uh, I remember having conversations with, you know, veteran players, a Brendan Morrow or whoever, Marty Turco, and they were fine with me criticizing them as long as it was fair. Yeah. And, and you know, as long as you showed up the next day and you knew I what don't you know were that, talking about. I don't know that that – I don't know that that's the same now. I don't think it is either. The other thing, I, I really thing is, is Jim Lights, for all his, you know, pom-poms and flaws, he was fine ripping the team if the team was playing poorly. And he, he'd always say, he goes, but put it on the front page, okay? You know, if you're going to rip us, yeah. you know, <laughs> make it a big deal and put it on the front page. Because that helps yeah. the product. Yeah, all news is good care. news. Right. right, exactly. Right. And so I do believe there's yeah, a you balance know what? You know that. what, though, Hikes, that's a, that's a great point, though. Like, if you, if you have an interesting, um, explosive, maybe slightly negative slant to a story that ends up on the front page or somewhere where people are going to access it, is that is that infinitely better than a glossy piece that's buried somewhere that everyone's just like it's another puff piece whatever, and they just power through it and you're you know you're irrelevant with that. Our friend uh, Tim Collishaw, I believe, probably wears the nickname Poison Pen. He does uh, <laughs> because to that to him, and I think even to the organization, that's a good thing. Um, yeah, make but people care, reflect what the fans are thinking. Right. Right. But here's the thing about, about these, uh, this restart and uh, the beginning of the playoffs now. There's going to be so much hockey on. Is there even time to read about it? I hope so. Um, I, there is something, in, and again, I'm an old guy. Well, you, so. better, you better be able to consume it fairly quickly because 
I mean, there's, there's 10 hours of hockey on a day and, and I know it's going to dwindle a little bit as it moves along and, and people and fan bases are going to be focused on their own clubs and that. And as it gets, uh, you know, teams fall by the wayside, it gets, uh, there's a little more downtime and, and more story and reading and that. But in the early stages of this, it's just the games. Yeah, the one good thing from my standpoint is I believe you have a fairly small audience. So I still what? believe I have the Dallas Stars fans. So I don't have to worry about 10 other games. I and mean, the morning news even said, you know, once the Stars are out of the playoffs, we don't care about hockey anymore uh, because the, the audience. Blasphemy. I know. But the audience in Dallas, yeah. Texas, for everybody besides the Stars is fairly small. So what I, I appreciate is I believe there is a small, voracious group that loves every piece of information they can get and would read any story that comes out about the stars. And so I, hopefully, you know, we're, we're providing something to those people. And, and I think that the Athletic and the Morning News and, and our website uh, all do it differently so that, you know, you're not reading the same story three times. Uh, so, you know, hopefully that's, we find our niche, I guess I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess people are uh, second screening reading, right? So you're yeah, watching, you're, you're game, watching the game you're, and reading. You're brushing over an article. But that, you better write rather flamboyantly, though, Mike. In order uh, I, to grab I, my I try attention. to do that. I try to do that. You know, don't, don't just, you know, drivel on. Cause <laughs> I'll skip through it. All right. To the actual hockey. And the stars, speaking of that. Uh, with expanded rosters, which young guys do you see possibly contributing to the successes of the stars come uh, competitive games up there? I think the only way any of the young guys help is, well, I mean, obviously, Gary on the end. But, no, 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 but I mean, even, no, even deeper than that. Yeah. I think the only way they help is if there's injury. And then even then, knowing the coaching staff and knowing all NHL coaching staff, it, it's going to take a leap of faith to get to Harley or Glandria or Robertson. Um, but all that being said, I think this camp has been wonderful for them in the process of getting them on the roster potentially next year. Um, yeah. If, if I was guessing on one, I would say if a skill guy goes down – then uh, Robertson jumps over everybody else. Um, yeah, you know. that would be uh, my easy answer is even beyond injuries. And, and again, they have 31 players up there. I mean, it, these rosters are, are big. Not that you wouldn't have – I mean, in a normal playoff, you'd either have your minor league team, or your American Hockey League team still playing, or you'd have a, a Black Aces or Taxi Squad up with you and they'd be practicing. So you still have those players around that you can utilize, but everybody was in camp here. And I think if, if they needed a spark offensively, if they, you know, somehow, and I don't think it'll happen, but if they somehow came back with the same issues of not being able to put the puck in the net and let's say his brother is producing for Toronto, he looked pretty good last night. Yeah. Uh, Nick Robertson. Uh, you know, would they insert Jason Robertson and and he goes all blowtorch offensively for them? And I mean, it, the Stanley Cup playoffs are are thick and rich with 
unknown guys that all of a sudden just catch fire and whether it's a goaltender or a goal scorer uh, become you know, Stanley Cup heroes. Yeah. I mean, just look at Bennington last year. Yeah. He started the season in the 2018-19 season fourth on the St. Louis goalie depth chart yeah. and, and ends up winning the Stanley Cup. So the opportunity for, you know, Cinderella stories is, is beautiful in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah. Tom, Thomas Harley, for me, was impressive at camp, too. I, 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 really, I really see a lot in him. Obviously, they did in, in drafting him. Uh, his skating, he anticipates so well. He has those liquid hips. Uh, he, he he doesn't lack for confidence. Uh, you know, God forbid they get into a rash of, of injuries on D, but if so, I'd kind of like to see what he could bring. I know they have, they have others that have experience playing in the league uh, and playing a lot more pro hockey than, than him that would be available as well, but... Um, Man, he's he's got a skill set about him, and Jake Ottinger in goal looked very confident at camp too, which bodes well for the future because he is the future at that position. Um, you know, they, they they don't really have any issues at that position though, which will be our next subject. But um, those are you know three young guys that that uh, are I think are on the the cusp of uh, being not only players on this roster going forward, but impact guys, uh, the time might not be now, but I don't think it's too far in the future. Yeah. And with, I'm sitting on the bleachers and we don't really get to talk as much. You and I chat a little bit, but you, you have your own thoughts running through your head as you're watching these practices. And that was the one that came to mind is that they need to get these guys on the NHL roster. I mean, 20 year olds are playing all over in the NHL right now. I think, uh, you like the fact that their salaries are lower than yeah, uh, young is cheap. Young is cheap, which I think is going to be important going forward, uh, you know, until they can get full buildings back again. Um, and so, yeah, as I'm sitting there going like, I'm, I'm looking going like, four of these guys might be on the roster on opening day next season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with goaltending, uh, Ben Bishop, little maintenance pause after the pause, <laughs> cause you any, any pause yourself? It always was. I I mean, he's, pra- he's practicing up there again, and yeah. they had tons of goalies around. So, and I think last year uh, I was really worried, and then when he went and played pretty much every second of the playoffs, um, it, it kind of you breathe out a little bit and think, well, maybe maybe he's different. Maybe he's actually um, healthier now. Uh, it happened with Kari. Uh, Kari was a, a physical time bomb when he was when he first got here and then as he got older and got older and got he became one of the most consistent and dependable goalies in the league uh even at you know 33 or 34 whatever he was uh so i think ben can do the same thing uh i was very impressed with the way he handled the playoffs last year um and so now the question becomes you know can he do it again the the great thing is is that hudobin is playing extremely well um, I thought he looked good in practice. He just he looks like himself. You never know if he's great or not just because he's all over the place. But <laughs> well, somehow they, he keeps the puck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They 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 have such a dreamy tandem, uh, and and it's it's a wonderful luxury to know that that if if you you know Ben's your number one guy and and you know he was he was so great in the playoffs and, and almost stole game seven for them against 
St. Louis. And, uh, I mean, they're not, that's eight one if he doesn't stand on his head. So, you know, they have that. And then the understanding that you have another guy who's not a young guy, although he's unproven in the playoffs because he hasn't played a, a lick. Uh, but he, he has shown in his couple of seasons with the stars that he can come off the bench. Uh, he can start for you, uh, whatever. And, uh, you pretty much get the same thing out of him game in and game out. So, uh, it's, it's a wonderful luxury to have. And, uh, we'll see as this thing moves through the exhibition game tomorrow. And then, the round robin games where where they stand and uh hopefully Ben's health is 100% and and away they go uh if if that's I suspect the way they're going to start things off so um it's a nice nice way to go about your business well it's funny the uh, the fact that they've had so many comebacks from two goals down i think Anton's part of that it's just like you, you know, if you have to pull them, like let's say you're down two nothing or three nothing after the first period, I, I believe the team thinks that they have a chance. You know, stick stick Anton in goal, and, and then we'll win this thing. Uh, and that's that's a really great confidence booster to have. Yeah, I mean, it's an important position. It's going to be be very important in in this scenario too, where I've, teams are full of energy and. I, I I think they're gonna they're gonna try to drive offense first and foremost. So you're gonna give up chances, and your goaltending is is gonna have to be better than their goaltending, or you won't win. Wow, what a what a revelation from me. Well, I just want to ask you this one because it leads into: Do you feel it's a good idea to do what they're doing, which is activate the defenseman and, and kind of change their quote unquote style with the risk that it's a little bit different than, you know, what they did to succeed. I mean, I agree. I think you need to do it. I think they need to score more than 2.5 goals a game. Uh, but but is it worth it to try and implement that all at this time? Or if not, the exact time to do it? Well, yeah, maybe the timing is perfect for it. That, my, my feeling with it uh, at its base is if you have electric net minding, if, if you have elite net minding like they have, then maybe you should trust it a little more, uh, and and you're gonna you're gonna ask them to do a little more if if you get caught. Maybe the misnomer in all this though is that just because you want to get your defense up the ice doesn't mean you're not gonna have anybody dropping back to, to help out defensively, and it doesn't mean you're gonna do it mindlessly. So you you can still do that, and as long as you skate well and you track back well and your forwards are responsible. You're still not going to give up high-grade opportunities, you know, two-on-ones or breakaways or three-on-ones. I mean, those are the things that you you try to um, curb. And for the most part, the Stars don't, when they're playing well, they don't give up any of that. Uh, maybe part of that is because they become a little more conservative with what they do with their defensemen and that they hang back a little bit more. But if you have tons of energy, which they should have, and – you are adhere to uh, the responsibilities. Uh, you might give up a fraction more in high grade chances against. But uh, hey, if the goal t- you have ten million dollars worth of goaltending, then use it and yeah. uh, and have it bail you out a little bit more than maybe it has in past. Uh, that that's what I would think going in. I 
I applaud the idea that they that you can't really come back and just hope that it's going to change on its own. The guys are are just going to start scoring, and that might happen too because you and I have talked about this enough on this very uh, worldwide podcast where uh, they they get enough chances they just they just don't score. And, uh, you you know, you keep waiting for them to just go, okay, score on a few of these now. Maybe confidence, uh, you know, ramps up, and and all of a sudden they're, they're dealing with two- and three-goal leads instead of constantly being tied or a goal behind or a goal ahead. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, I do think uh, it's a big mindset. If you go in there and you don't score and you're like, oh, well, you know, I didn't score. Uh, we're still – it's still 1-1 or whatever it is. Uh, that that's a dangerous thing. I think you need to go in there saying, I need this goal. I want this goal. Um, you know, I think we've seen throughout time that the great goal scorers are hungry. They're just like, this is their, this is the oxygen they feed into their system. And, and it would, it would be neat to see the stars have that frustration when they don't score or that excitement to get in there and, and, and get the goal. Uh, Cause I think far too many times we just, you know, Oh, hit the post. You know, oh, well, well, we'll do better next time. And, and hopefully this mindset can change that. So as the Big Tent playoff circus began in earnest yesterday, every every team like the Stars seems to feel that they are somehow better than the one that was playing in March. <laughs> Which I I understand, but at the same time, I'm just like, it's very reminiscent of how everybody feels heading into training camp in a normal season in September. They're like, Oh, we added this and uh, we did this in the off season and we have these young guys and another year. And we feel like we have as good a chance as anybody. And then by Thanksgiving, a lot of teams are like, Oh, we weren't as good as we thought we were. And man, we're about the same as what we were in, in, in the muck. So everybody's had 140 days off. And I, I, I understand, we talked about this, I think, last week, that teams have uh, re- received some players back into their lineup that were injured or banged up, and that changes things for them. I, I agree with that. But, I mean, even if you weren't, uh, it seems like everyone's like, yeah, no, we're better now. <laughs> How can this be? <laughs> the only, it's funny, the only team that I, I can see, and I'm not trying to throw dirt on them or anything like that, but like Chicago gave up. They they traded away the goalie and said, yeah, we're not making the playoffs. And now they got to come back and go, oh, by the way, our number one goalie, you know, he doesn't look so good, and we may yeah. have to use their third and fourth. So they're the one team I'm like, eh, well, maybe we shouldn't be here. But you're right. I mean, you've got teams that were in 10th place who are going like, we can win the cup. And, you know, obviously the energy and excitement from that, uh, opportunity is, is something it's delusional you... for some people. <laughs> it really is. But you just sit there and you're like, did you not watch the 70 games you played? <laughs> no, you're not good. You you didn't all of a sudden import a bunch of hall of famers and away you go here. You're, you're just because you didn't do anything for four months. Doesn't mean you're better. But you got to believe. I mean, you have an opportunity. You've got the opportunity to go out there and play. I you know, know the other interesting thing about all this? I've always loved the line from uh, uh, Top Gun that you never know what you can do until you get it up as high as you can go or whatever. The flying and how Maverick, you know, once he got going Mach 5 with his hair on fire, could all of a sudden do these amazing things. Is I do believe- thing is Mach 5? 
And no, there isn't, but that's what the line was, I think. And uh, you're, you're hyperbolic today. I know. I'm just throwing things all over the place. I do believe that until you get in that situation, you don't know how you'll respond. And so if everybody's a mess, then when you get up to that highest level of competition, then we'll see how the great players respond. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and I do think, you know, the hockey of all sports has proven that an eight seed or 12 seed can, you know, move forward and, and do some amazing thing in the playoffs. Uh, so everybody's talked about this, you know, being quote unquote, an asterisk, uh, Stanley cup. And Tyler said in one of his interviews, it's going to be the hardest one ever to win. And I kind of think it is like the challenges to win this cup are going to be incredible. That whether that's going well, from zero yeah. to a hundred right now, or enduring mental, prison that will be the chain link jungle. So there's a lot of stuff going on right now to try and get to where you want to get to. Yeah. I, I wonder whether it'll actually be harder. It'll be different. I I get that. Everyone agrees with that. Is it actually going to be harder though than playing a complete 82 game schedule and then jumping into a playoff uh, right after that, no matter what's going on and who you're missing and how banged up you are. And then having to go road and home uh, throughout four series, and as you get into the Stanley Cup final, you might be going coast to coast in time zones and and everything else. This is all going to be played in one spot. There's not, I mean, the conference final and and finalists, I guess, from the Eastern Conference are going to have to move west, but whoopie do. Yeah. And uh, and away you go. I, I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination it's going to be easy for a team to win this. Uh, it's just going to be, I think, massively different than anything they've ever tried to win before. And it'll be full of surprises, don't you think? Yeah. Or or will it or will it be merely a continuance of what we absorbed over the five month regular season? Is it going to be different? I think it is. I, I think the fact that you could, like, I keep, I'm intrigued by Edmonton for some reason. The fact that you can toss that group of kids into a playoff situation and say, okay, show us what you got. Um, what if they do? What if they are that offensive juggernaut that's winning games six to five? That would be different and that would be fun. Um, you know, what if uh, the Dallas Stars veteran players all of a sudden you know, do what they've done for most of their careers and, and they start winning games right. four, four to one or five to one or whatever. And now everybody's like, Oh, I don't want to mess with Dallas. That would be different than what we saw in the 70 games. Um, so I do, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to surprises. And yeah. I go back to yours. You are right. I mean, the travel, you know, until I got on the plane, the travel to, you know, you get to stay in top rate hotels and fly in first class, but, you fly and you back and you fly and you're back. And during the playoffs, it's, it's a, it's a strain. And so you are right. This should be easier for them. And, and maybe that affects the, the level of energy and the performance because I, I don't know that, I don't know that it's easier. It's just different. Like even, even away, you know, away from their families and then you come back home, even though it's the playoffs and, and hockey uh, people are, are the great greatest at just saying, look, it will, take on more responsibility. You focus on, on trying to win a Stanley cup, but still there are responsibilities. You haven't seen them. The kids don't care if you're in the Stanley cup playoffs or not. They want to play with daddy. Right. And so then you have that. Well, 
there's there's that balance that that would go on during a regular year. Now you've got the the separation, and these the guys that are in the Stanley Cup final are going to have uh, been away from their family, although they're going to fly, fly the families in, right? From what I've heard, and again, yeah. they'll be at different junctures and things yeah. of that nature. Um, so, I mean, at least they'll be able to, to see them there. So I just defeated my own point. But I was going to say they're, <laughs> they're, they're going to be stuck uh, without seeing their families and their kids and their loved ones for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and that has its own challenges, right? So yeah. After being right. stuck, after be stuck together harder, for four and a half months. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, for the qualifier series, which begin on Friday or Saturday? Friday? I don't know. I might, it may be Friday. Uh, a lot on the line in game one. Yeah. You, you lose game one, and very quickly you have to win a much more daunting three of four against against a team that is pretty much the same as you. I mean, mo- all the, these teams in the qualifiers are fairly equal. Like, you're you're not – you're not dealing with a, uh, you know, an astronomical 60-win high seed against uh, just a patsy uh, that's happy to get a couple of playoff dates. Like, that's that's not the case here. So, um, I suspect it will be alacritous and chaotic when they actually get to the real stuff. Because even the the uh, exhibition games yesterday were. We're we're pretty good. Like, and, yeah. and there was there there was some decent intensity because you know those teams that have to play these best of five series understand. Like, I get one shot at this thing to, to kind of prep myself, and then it's real. And and the people that benefit from that are us that get to cover it because the the high maybe part of it too was just missing the game for that long. They they could have done anything, and I would have been intrigued by it <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> Well, and it is interesting just to see the the what happens when you're not scrimmaging your own team. Yeah, uh, I mean there is real like I don't care if this guy gets hurt, you know. Whereas when we saw in the scrimmages, there was real care about if you rub someone out against the boards or things of that nature. Oh um, yeah, I mean it's that's why the Stars game against Nashville uh, here will be uh, so much better of of a prep, and then they get. They get those three games that matter, but they don't really matter uh, before they actually start the playoffs. It's a major advantage for the the top four seeds in each conference, which yeah. is good. Like you should always weight this thing in some way, somehow, where your best teams have the best chance to get through. Like set it up that way. It, it always feels like the NBA is great at that. Like yes, you know, you want to see your best players your marquee players and your best teams that you've probably sold throughout the regular season actually there when it matters the most and you have the most eyeballs on your sport. In addition to you, you want the regular season to mean something. True. Yeah, exactly. Well, now the regular season means something, but these three games actually mean uh, quite a bit as well. (laughs) (laughs) It is fun. I will say that, that like, it, you know, Jim Nill and 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 uh, Rick Bonus have talked about. We really want to get this number one seed. It's a great opportunity, and not to diminish diminish any of these other teams. But if you can get the number one seed and then get the the worst of the qualifiers, like I think that should be just a huge advantage in getting to the second round of the playoffs. 
And, you know, and then if you get to the second round of the playoffs and you're the number one seed, then you go back and if one of those qualifiers pulls an upset, you get that team. Yeah. If you get that team, now you're going like, well, why can't we get to the Western Conference Finals? Like, you can talk yourself into a lot of different things, but if you can get the number one seed out of this, I think that's a huge advantage, especially when you finish fourth, you know, in, in the standings. Yeah, I mean, you're trying to avoid uh, that sort of death round that, you know, the two, three that everyone always talks about. And um, I, I I agree. I And, and again, you're you're trying to... Uh, use every motivation you can, right? <laughs> yeah. To get to get things ramped up to its highest level, like immediately, like hit the whip, um, and you know, don't get get the mentality that, hey, we've got three games to get ready for the playoffs, purged, and say, hey, look, we we got a little little carrot in front of us here in this round robin, and let's go for it. Let let let's let's try to get this thing. I mean, it's, it's just it's smart motivation, and and, then, uh, and it's an advantage. It, I agree. Yeah, and if it works, then you're playing your best hockey when the real playoffs start. And I think yeah, that I mean, has you, to be a good feeling too. Right, right. You you you're winning, um, and they need that. I, I know it's been four and a half months, and most people believe that whatever was happening at the end of of uh, the regular season before the pause doesn't matter now. But I can. Uh, you know, I can tell you this: if you <laughs> if you lose three in a row again, uh, you know, coming out of it, uh, coming off of a six-game losing streak, some of the same stuff is going to start festering in there. I would think. Yeah, lack uh, of offense is is a very painful mental, uh, just a burden. Uh, I'm a baseball fan, so I'm watching the Rangers right now, and not only go. are the, right. the fans going crazy. But you have to admit, and the the players are every time yeah. they're going up there at bat, thinking, "Ah, oh, crap!" And I, yeah. and you, the Stars don't want to be that team again. You know, if they get shut out in, in some of these qualifiers, they're going, you know, "Oh, crap! We can't score," and, yeah. and you don't want that. No, no, you don't, Mike. That's a good point. You don't <laughs> want to get shut out. The, yeah, I'm uh, the deep analysis. <laughs> the other the other thing that I'm I I just thought about the other day was. Uh, one of the advantages you always had, or disadvantages, depending on which way you want to look at it, from playoff, playoff series, regular playoff series, is the change of venues. So, you know, you go on, maybe you're more comfortable on the road, and you steal a game on the road, and you feel like you've won two games because you won a game in their building, and then you come back home, and you have the energy. Maybe you get, you're tired, but you have that energy of your fans, and it drives you in that. You have none of that. It's homogenized in, in the bubbles. Uh, it, you're, you lose a game, you're going back to the same ice surface and and same venue again the next game. You, you, you don't change your mental circumstances or your visual circumstances. It's all the same. So it, it really is going to boil down to uh, some mental toughness in that regard and just pure execution. Are you... Are, are you better? Can, can you adjust and play better? Forget about all the externals and, and peripheries. Uh, just can you can you fix the problems that you had or perpetuate the good that you had going on in the same in the same place? I would think it'd be easier to to perpetuate than it would be to repair. But that's a, another late rinky dinking razortorial. That's a bonus razortorial for you. I like that one. You know, sci- scientists always try and keep things constant so that they can get the results they want. And mm. this petri dish 
is going to be very constant. Yeah, uh, so I don't know whether are, are, are we are we believing in science right now or not. I, I don't I, understand. I always say from my Twitter like feed. <laughs> from my Twitter feed, I can't figure out whether I'm supposed to believe in science or not. Uh, one uh, one final thing: the uh, the center ice logo controversy that I like to concoct. O u n h l, you are a crafty bunch. So no NHL shield in the center circle. Nope. Instead, it's a full Stanley Cup facsimile with a broken red stripe cutting through it from cup to base. It's like the work of of a bandsaw. And uh, the NHL shield placement, unblemished, on the edges of the center circle. Bravo. Well done. Well done. And it looks looks good. It, it, It really does. The the surface looks good. Again, I think the Stanley Cup would look better without a broken red line running through the middle of it. It doesn't seem like there's any need for that, but that's me. Uh, but it, uh, what they've done is is pretty spectacular. At least it looks like that on on television. I don't know that the the, the two major television networks and were kind of. Uh, uh, dependent upon whatever they're going to cut for us. We get Sportsnet. We get the Canadian feed for our broadcasts because they're doing Edmonton and NBC and the American broadcast is, is emanating out of, out of Toronto. Um, it, I don't, I don't know that they figured out exactly how to use all the cameras. I think they have a dozen extra cameras and uh, they can put them virtually everywhere because there are no fans. Of course, what did it look like in the, uh, have you been inside the arena, Totsi? I have, but just uh, not for game action yet. Oh, okay. It's completely well, empty, you, but it looks awesome. Yeah, well, if there's no game going on, you're useless to us until next week. <laughs> I, can, so. I can report. I can report on game conditions next week. Yeah, we ex- we expect that. But <laughs> it, at least initially, from the visuals that I got yesterday, man, it, it, they they couldn't have really done a, a better job than what than what they've done. Um, and it, it does feel very winter classic-y, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It feels international, too. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, that's a good way of putting it. And I, I didn't mind it at all. I liked it a lot. It's a lot more classy than having fake people in the stands yeah. or, or any yeah. of that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, I thought it looked great. Yeah. Yeah, and all the colors they use, the boards uh, that they have up, uh, everything. Yeah, I, you know, once the game got started, it was just, and and the ambiance sound, I thought it was better in Toronto than it was in in uh, Edmonton for whatever reason. Yeah, you have uh, a better ear for that stuff than I do. I don't have a great ear, but but I get it. They're using EA Sports uh, uh, audio. Did you know that? No. Yeah. Aren't, so aren't video, you on some of those? It's video. Well, they're not using the commentators. They're using <laughs> they're using the the sound from EA Sports from the the NHL games and that's what they're using to, to pipe into the two arenas. It is to me, and I, I don't have great senses, uh, but to me it's very calming. Like it, it, it feels normal. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I'll be able to tell you better after calling games, what it sounded like in my headset and uh, felt like, but, um, and you're, Look, they can't replicate the the highs and lows and riding the crowd and oohs and ahs, but for the most part, I thought I thought they did a really they did a really good job of that. And more so in in 
the games that I watched coming out of uh, Toronto. We'll see if it's a little more balanced today, and maybe they made some adjustments in Edmonton. But um, so far, so good. Yeah. Stars are perfect. <laughs> and uh, JT, you just keep pumping out the images. Yep. Up there, you know, we you're you're our conduit. He's a tool for the people. He's like a twenty-something a at a bridal shower, just <laughs> snapping pictures of everything. And and Mike, you watch <laughs> our TV presentation, and you prepare your signature Zoom statement questions for the coaches and the players. Okay, that's <laughs> your assignment. And I'll be commenting like a commentator, but alas, it will be anything but common. <laughs> Oh, got a little choked up there. <laughs> I hope it's not the COVID. I hope it isn't either. Otherwise, I'm <laughs> going to be unfit to broadcast. <laughs> Till next week, boys. Uh, go Stars. Thanks, Totsie.